Number one. I must start my experience with a quick prequel. The house I grew up in was in the Central Valley of California, and I believed it to be haunted. My mother, three out of my six brothers, cousin and uncle all experienced paranormal activity in the form of apparitions, unexplained noises and voices, and night terrors. This house became the breeding ground to many unfortunate activities, all of which my family was responsible for. To give you an idea, there was a time when alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual, physical, mental and emotional abuse, and basic moral corruption took place in the home. With that said, my experience occurred when I was 17 years old. I was up at dawn getting ready for a cross-country meet and my dad was going to take me. I was going to the kitchen to get some water and past the bathroom where my dad was shaving. As I passed my father and headed to the kitchen, something caught my attention in the living room. I turned to look and saw this massive dark figure sitting on the end of the sofa. Because it was dawn, the living room was still cloaked in darkness. While the figure itself had no details to its face or body, I could feel it staring at me. Its size dwarfed the living room, as it towered as high as the ceiling. The worst came when the dark figure whispered my name. I suddenly felt this horrible feeling of dread and fear engulfed my whole body, the hairs standing straight up on my arms. I ran back to my father to see if he was still in the bathroom, which he was. He and I were the only ones in the home. By this time, my mother had divorced my dad and moved to a nearby city. This experience still haunts me, because it was so frightening and traumatizing. I truly believe that when people behave immorally and destructively, they are capable of introducing evil spirits or negative energy into their home. My father still lives in this house, but he claims to have never experienced anything. Whenever I go visit him, the memory of my experience still makes me feel uneasy in the home. Number 2 Throughout my 33 years on this earth, I've experienced many things that I cannot logically explain. Once, when I was 10 years old, I had gotten a painful infection in the cuticle of my middle finger on my right hand. I've always been a hypochondriac, and every time I looked at the painful swelling with my fingernail pulling away from the cuticle, I would be sent into a panic because I was convinced the doctor was going to have to cut my finger open. My bedroom at this time was on the second floor, but I was so petrified over the situation with my finger that I began sleeping in the den that was adjacent to my parents' bedroom on the first floor, which made me feel more at ease. On the eve of going to the doctors, I was awoken by the feeling of someone sitting on my legs. The den was pitch black, and I could clearly see the outline of a person sitting on the couch I was sleeping on, and it was sitting on my legs. This person was massive and tall, seeming to be well over six feet. The person seemed to be facing away from me when I first woke up, as if he was just staring at the wall, or maybe waiting for me to wake. When my eyes first opened, I realised I couldn't move my legs and saw the humanoid outline in the dark. My blood ran cold. It scared the shit out of me 
that someone had gotten into my house undetected. Our house had very thin walls, and I could hear my mother and father snoring just across the hall in their bedroom. On top of that, our dog Odie was extremely protective. Odie would bark and freak out at any stranger, yet he was soundly sleeping in the hallway. On top of that, we routinely locked our doors before going to bed. How did this person get past the locked doors, past our dog without waking him, and past my parents' room without rousing them? After about 30 seconds, the outline of the person turned towards me and leaned forward a bit, towering over me. I felt paralysed with fear, and then it spoke. It said, everything's going to be okay. Go back to sleep. When I heard its voice, it had a calming effect and a sense of trust washed over me. I believed everything was going to be okay and I fell back to sleep. I got up the next morning feeling a bit uneasy but unusually well rested. My mother brought me to the doctor and we got a prescription for amoxicillin and he told me just to let the fingernail grow out and another one would grow back. My worst fear was put to rest. To this day, this experience sticks with me. I wonder if that thing came to ease my pain, because even though the infection was no big deal to an adult, to a scared child, it became nightmare fuel. I told my parents all of this years later. It gave my mother chills. My father, on the other hand, didn't know what to say, and hasn't mentioned it since. Number 3 It was late September in 1996, a month short of my 36th birthday, when due to some turmoil in my life, I found myself asking an old friend if I could stay a while at his flat. He was actually a distant relative on my mother's side, and was about 16 years older than me. Like me, his name was Mick. He lived a few miles south in our small fishing town in the east of England. Although I didn't want to be there, and Mick didn't want me there, he was good enough to let me stay. Mick liked to drink cheap cider, that rough industrial stuff that's never seen an apple. I like a few beers in bars, but don't drink too much at home, so he mostly drank alone. I just enjoyed watching the TV with him while he drank a two-litre bottle most every night. I spent two uncomfortable weeks trying to sleep on Mick's two-seater cottage settee. I wasn't able to stretch out, but I'd been homeless before, so I wasn't complaining. A week earlier, Mick had offered to sleep on the settee while I got a decent night's sleep in his bed, but I declined his kind offer, thinking I shouldn't take his bed on top of being a burden. On my last night there, Mick had had some cider while I got my head down around half past eleven, and I'd fallen asleep before Mick had finished watching TV. I woke, I'd say, about one o'clock, with a slight feeling of unease, no more than a feeling but the lights were still on. The TV was off. Then, I was surprised to notice Mick laid on the floor, as close to the settee as he could get. It was odd, but I assumed he'd ended up there because he'd drunk too much. Then, I fell back to sleep. Next, I awoke with a start. I thought it must be about three o'clock, and I was quite awake. It was like a charged atmosphere, like electricity was around. Then, I gasped in pure horror as dashing into view from behind the armchair from left to right, close to the wall opposite, 
was what I can only describe as a goblin. It dashed along beneath the windowsill towards the TV area in the left corner, covering about three to four feet in a second. Then, without moving its head or looking where it was going, and without making a sound, it dodged between the coffee table and TV and then stood at Mick's feet looking down at him. It was now about four feet from my face, about a foot distant from the settee. I tried to call Mick as soon as I'd spotted it, but all I could manage was a muted murmur. I tried again, but could make no sound and realised that I was paralysed with fear. This thing was about two and a half feet tall, with a head about the size of a man's, and I vaguely remember a small body about the size of a large doll's. It had very long arms from elbows to wrists, and it had to hold its arms out parallel to the floor because they were so long. Its knees were bent, and it was bobbing on its toes as though standing still it was unbalanced. I didn't notice if it was naked or clothed because my gaze was drawn to its eyes, which were large and yellowed. If you hold your middle fingers to your thumbs about an inch apart, they were that big, and they even appeared slightly bloodshot. It had human features, but was very ugly, grotesque. All its facial features were enlarged, big eyes, big ears, thick lips, even prominent teeth. I was terrified, and I just remember hoping that it wouldn't touch me, or I think I would have died. It looked at me briefly, like it was satisfied to have frightened someone. Then, to my utter relief, it turned, and again in total silence, dashed back the way it had come, dodging between the TV and coffee table, beneath the windowsill, until it disappeared out of sight behind the armchair. As soon as it was gone, I found I could move, and quickly shook Mick awake. Once he awoke, I was no longer alone, and I didn't say what I'd just experienced. I didn't know if he would just dismiss it, or become frightened, so I asked him if he was alright down there on the floor. In the morning, I left Mick's house, and within a few weeks I had got my own flat, but it was another five or so months, not until the lighter nights of spring, that I was able to sleep without the lights on. I did try, but in the dark, I thought about that goblin, and was afraid Fort might attract it. I think it was attracted to Mick through his drinking, like a pink elephant, a drink demon. I got the impression it wasn't an evil spirit, just mischievous and enjoyed giving humans a fright. I also wondered if a long time ago, maybe back in the days of the Druids a couple of thousand years before Christ, that the spirit was once a man, probably a very unpleasant man. I think that spirit was the reason Mick offered me his bed, and why he was laid on the floor that night next to the settee. It haunted him, came looking for him, and if so, there is no wonder he was frightened. Number 4 It started in January 2006. The first sign was a jar of peanut butter found on the rim of the kitchen sink. On its side, with a big glop of peanut butter on the counter, 
and a dripping pool of melted peanut butter on the floor. I thought it was the kids being messy. That was the beginning of a year of dumping, spraying, spilling, slashing, cutting, bashing doors, leaving slippery traps, and playing with the electricity. The first two months of 2007 were the worst. It moved furniture. It threw everything it could at my daughter's door, including knives, cans, pots and pans, and dishes. It wrote on the walls. It hid things in the vents. We couldn't keep toilet paper, paper towels, soap, shampoo, or any other kind of thing in the house. Every time we bought toilet paper, it would dump it in the toilet. It took cell phones. The first was put in the toilet. The second, mine, was dumped in my coffee cup when I fell asleep. And the third, it put in the peanut butter jar. It banged on the walls. Killed kittens. Made us sick with fear and frustration. It punched holes in the bedroom doors using an eight-pound mallet. Bent the doorknobs. It put fingernail polish inside the lock mechanism of the doorknobs. We would go out of a door. It would lock it behind us. It destroyed my dishwasher, plugged up the sink, and flooded the house. Every day with this spirit was an attack in one way or another. We would set the air conditioner at 81 degrees. It would set it at 79. I would turn off the AC at night before bed. In the morning, it would be turned on and set to 79 degrees. There were so many things that it did. Vile, vicious attempts to interfere with every aspect of our lives. It took every can or jar of flour, salt, coffee, tea, spices, sugar, and piled it on the floor, over and over again. It took packaged cake icing and flung it around the living room, on the walls, ceilings, floors. Next would be the goodies it found in the cat boxes. Anything it could find in the pantry was dumped, spread, or flung about the house. It poured oil on my computer. It would set traps such as balancing an egg on the bathroom door that would fall when moved, or piling cinnamon and sugar on the ceiling fan, and when we walked into the room, would start the fan. It would put a lighter in the coffee pot, which would explode. The second time, it blew the coffee pot apart. We never knew what we would find when we opened a door. In the beginning, some of the outrageous things the spirit did made us laugh. We stopped laughing very soon, it started attacking our electronics. My brand new flat screen computer monitor was slashed several times. My daughter's brand new doll had shaving cream sprayed inside it, and other things we have yet to identify. Several times, in the matter of ten minutes of leaving the keyboard of a computer, we would return to find piles of cat feces placed in perfect round piles on the keyboards. We would find my daughter's bikini underwear up in the branches of the big pepper tree in our front yard. We have over 500 digital photos and videos of the vicious attacks. We reached out. We contacted people. We had an investigative team come up from the San Diego area five times with all the latest equipment. Their conclusions were vague, but informative. There was no solution to our manifestations, only advice. We had a cleansing. It didn't work. Our family dynamics didn't permit the unity needed to make this poltergeist go away. 
In March 2007, when my daughter was asleep, it spread toilet paper and paper towels all through the house and set two fires underneath them. That was the final straw. We could no longer put off our fear. We moved out. It had tried to kill us. We had to move. We feared for our lives. Now, we are trying to heal. But we'll never forget the raging spirit. Number 5 I had a good childhood for the most part. I grew up in a neighbourhood that had plenty of kids my age to play with. There was a lake with a rope swing for hot summer days. Growing up in Florida, a shady cool lake was a welcome reprieve. My grandma even lived next door to us, and it was nice having her close by. When I turned 12, things started taking a sinister turn. The first thing I remember happening was one night I was lying in my bed watching TV and my closed closet door swung open, hit the wall and slammed shut. I ran to the living room where my parents were and in tears told them what had just happened. As parents sometimes do, they didn't believe me. That night, as I tried to fall asleep, I heard something bang on our utility room door. It sounded like they were trying to break it down. Real quick, let me give you a setup of my house. It was basically a long hallway with rooms off to either side. You could stand at the front door and see the back door. My dad added a utility room stroke workshop on when I was about eight, and it made the house look huge. The actual living area was really small though. Anyway, because of how small the house was, I heard the banging loud and clear. I screamed for my parents, and they both came running into my room. I told them what I had heard, and my dad went to check it out, while my mum tried to calm me down. My dad found nothing, and I ended up sleeping in their room that night. After that, the activity in the house really picked up. We would find things completely out of place. Car keys would be in the kitchen. A vase that was on the bookshelf in the living room would be in the bathroom. Just objects out of place everywhere. This was also when I started seeing a black figure at my bedroom door. At first it would just stand there and stare into my room. I told my mum about it and she said I must just be dreaming. I wasn't dreaming. I was wide awake. Soon, the figure started coming into my room, closer and closer to my bed. It was terrifying. One night, I got up the nerve to try to run past it. It didn't touch me that I could see, but I was pushed back onto my bed with such force that I hit the wall between my room and my parents' room. My mum came in to see what happened, and I told her. She looked at me with concern and told me to just come sleep in her room. I continued to see this figure at least three times a week until I was 15. One day, I had had enough and went to talk to my grandma. I just told her what I had seen and described what it looked like. She told me that she thought it was my grandfather, her husband. She told me that he had been an abusive drunk, getting his thrills from scaring his kids, my dad and uncle, and even being physically abusive to her. I asked why she didn't leave him, and she said she tried to twice. The first time he found her at her sister's house, 
and threatened to kill her if she tried it again. The second time, he found her, and she said he almost did kill her. She wouldn't go into hell, though. After I talked to her, the activity just stopped. Just like that. No more. I never saw the figure again. When I was 21, my mum died of brain cancer. The activity picked up again. One day, I was playing PlayStation in my room, and I smelled her perfume. Lady in white. It was her favourite. Once again, items around the house would go missing, and would be found later in weird places like the bathroom closet. I worked overnights, and one morning I came home to find my mother in the kitchen, in the dress she had been buried in, just standing there. She was looking right at me. She smiled, and was gone. I continued to live with my dad, and when I was 24, started dating the girl I'm married to now. One evening, I got off work at 10pm, and we decided to go out. She came to my house to pick me up, and as I was getting my stuff together, we were standing in the living room. She said, What the hell is that? I looked up, and on the ceiling, there were brightly coloured circles, going in a circle right above our heads. Remember the door I heard pounding on? Well, while we were looking at the circles dancing around, that door fell. Just fell right off the hinges that had held it in place for 16 years and landed in the middle of the hallway. We walked over to the door and just stood there staring at it, then got the hell out of there. My dad had been on a business trip, and when he came home, I told him what happened. I could tell he didn't really believe me, but considering I wasn't the partying type, or someone who just took doors off of hinges, he didn't really know what else to think. He put the door back up on the same hinges, all the while muttering that he didn't see how it could have just fallen off. After that, my girlfriend's cousin had gotten married, and quite a bit of her family had come in for the wedding. Two of her cousins that she hadn't seen in years ended up coming back to my house with the two of us, and we had some drinks, listened to music, and just had our own little party. Her cousin Terry had to use the bathroom, and when he came back, he asked if we had recently had the bathroom redone. We had, but there was no way he could have known that. He started walking around the house and was saying things like, That end table used to be in that corner, didn't it? When he got to my parents' room, he said, Your mum or a motherly figure is in here. He then described her to a T. At this time, my dad and I had pretty much packed up pictures, and there were none of my mum out anywhere that he would have seen. He described my mother sleeping with a knife in her bed, which was believable since she and my dad had had a pretty hostile relationship when he drank too much. He also described what our kitchen had looked like before we had had it redone. Still no clue how he knew all of this. One night, my girlfriend stayed the night at my house when my dad was on a business trip, and since it was bigger, we slept in my parents' bed. At about 4am, she woke me up and said, I just saw your mum standing by the closet. I looked over and there was what looked like a cloud of smoke still there. Another time, my girlfriend was sick and left work early. She came to my house, and I went to get her medicine. When I got back, 
She was asleep on the couch, covered up with a quilt. I just assumed she had gotten it off my bed. When she finally woke up, I gave her the medicine, and she thanked me for covering her up. I told her I didn't do it, and she said she certainly had not. So we just put it off to my mum again. Hi guys, Brimstone here. Hope you enjoyed night number two of my Halloween Spectacular. Tomorrow's video is going to be a selection of unnerving urban legends, and there's going to be a little bit extra to it that involves you guys, but I'll explain that more tomorrow. Please remember to like, share, comment and subscribe, and if you have a paranormal story that you want to share, please feel free to send it to me. All my contact details are in the description box below. So, until next time, sleep tight.